Hello and welcome back to the Mad X-Men podcast. It's been a while since the last one. This is our first podcast of 2019, but hopefully we'll be back on the old um, podcast wagon and, and rolling forwards in this new year of wargaming. And in the meantime, I'm sure you've been able to follow some of the usual rubbish which gets churned out and spat onto the internet from madaxman.com. Um, painting, battle reports, all sorts of other different bits and pieces. So this time, we've got a transatlantic phone interview with um, Henry Saglio from the States. He, he took part in the recent US team tournament for ADLG, playing in the medieval pool with... Um, very interesting army and, and some very interesting opponents as well. So so we have a chat about all things wargaming, which obviously includes beer. There has to be a reference there. I think there's some chat about facial hair coming up, which you can listen out for as well. And um, two guys talking over a Skype connection about how four games of soldiers, or possibly even five, went um, that you won't be able to see. It's going to be audio gold, and I have actually listened to it, and some of it is actually quite good. So without further ado, let's go back in time um, a few days ago to when this was recorded, and we'll kick off the podcast. Enjoy the podcast. Obvious first question, which part of the States are you actually in? You know, as we're we're transatlanting it here. All right. Well, first of all, I call me Tucker. That's what I heard Tucker. Okay. Tucker. That's That's my middle name. That's your war. That's your wargaming alias. Uh, my alias, I suppose. So, uh, <laughs> it's always Henry, best to keep this. Henry was my uh, my grandfather. Right. So if you okay. uh, do a Google, Google search for my name, yeah. all you come up is results for him. And and obviously he wasn't wasn't as famous or as good looking as you or as successful, but but uh, still, you know, he was a lot more famous than I was. He was oh right. He was a chicken farmer. Oh right. Okay then. Oh. <laughs> Fine. So, so that that must put you obviously in the heart of the city then, or something like that. But uh, yeah. Do so we... I am uh, originally from New England. Okay. Is, but I currently live around Washington. Ah, uh, so you're on the. Um, you spend a lot of time on the I ninety four, um, shouting 95. at the traffic. Ninety five. Ninety five. Sorry, getting my um, getting my freeways and highways mixed up there then. Good. So, well, I guess we can go two ways with this. We can either have a long, interesting conversation about chicken, um, or, or we could talk about um, about toy soldiers and, uh, and the recent US team tournament. Um, if, if we had some very clever interactive online thing, we could probably do a live public vote. But but maybe in the absence of that, we should probably talk about about the world of um, of ADLG and the US team tournament. So, so is this the first time you've you've done this event because you know I, I know it goes back to the, the dbm days and and it probably existed under um fog for a while as well um is this this one the first times you've you've taken part or is there a long history of of tucker at this event no this is the uh, first time that i uh, went to the event yeah and i went because it's literally held down the road from, I, I get there in about five minutes Ah, right. Okay, so so you're actually pretty close to DC then, because the event was in um, um, just trying to think where it was exactly. It was because I think it might be a game shop I've actually been to. Yeah, it's called a Hazar Hobbies. It's right by the uh, the Dollars Airport. Ah, right. The one, yeah, because the one that I've been to is um, in um, what is it called? Uh, along the, the the metro from King Street. Um, there's one. A bit further out um, on on that part of town, but okay. 
So yeah, so it's near Reston or something like that, is it? Or, That's exactly right. Yeah, right. In the, so in the new fashionable hipster, you know, everybody's got a beard and, and drinks expensive lattes kind of kind of up and coming outskirts of DC. There's there's a world of middle aged guys playing toy soldiers. Well, you know, you have a lot of hipsters and you have a lot of former military. Yeah. You draw from the ladder pool. Okay. Not so, so much I guess there's also craft beer as well, which is which is a pretty Quite good. Quite a lot of craft beer. Yes, very good. Yes, excellent, good, good, fantastic. Okay, all right. So, so what we want to do is is kind of talk through the games. Um, I've I've got the stuff up on screen here that you've you've helpfully posted on on the ADLG forum, um, but also kind of more importantly, in some ways, is is to talk through the the army and and your kind of thinking on on putting this army together and. Um, and see if we can kind of pick some nuggets of of intelligence out of it to to share with a an exciting waiting world of the of the literally dozens of people who may well um, listen to this in in future or or sometimes sometimes more um, but which we'll be able to check online. So I don't know, is this an art? You know, there's a hundred and one different ways why to choose an army, and and there was a this tournament had a pretty interesting format. It was what I would categorise as fairly tight theming um in that the, the number of lists you could pick in each period was was kind of in the sort of 15 20 or so mark um but but they seem to be decent themes in that that most people should be able to cobble together some sort of army with with, with using troops for it um was it was it a difficult choice for you to pick to pick the army out of the the list that you had to choose or, or was was it one where this is the stuff that I've got, so so I'm kind of going down this route. Yeah, for me personally, it was easy because I only own two armies. Fantastic. So, That's good. And, and you love them both. I love them both. Of you, right? Excellent. Good, good, good. So so you're going with um so you're going with Condottieri, um uh, which is which is a very popular army because you know, I always think this is the, the classic Wargamer's army. It's got all the toys. You can you can pick almost anything in it, um, and and you can put something together that looks looks kind of cool. Um, is that is that kind of how you you approached it, or is there a, an Italian um, flag fetish background along with your your chicken based background that we should all know about? <laughs> well, uh, my my ancestry is uh, from Italy. So okay, there's there's a tiny little bit of that going on. Well, let's um, let's call it let's call it that. There's, it was your army in spirit for sure. But the uh, you know the, the I originally collected one because I had a friend who yeah. had Hungarians and Ottoman Turks. Okay. And I picked, uh, the Kandata, specifically the Venetian Kandata, because yeah. they were a historical match for both of those. My God, that's there's there's probably competition wargamers around the world shivering in um, in revulsion at such. Such a kind of proper wargaming thing to do, but uh, no, that, that's excellent. It's, it's a good army as well. So you're putting this together, and you know, I, I always think you start at the top of the the army list, and and you've got the three commands, and you've gone brilliant, brilliant, ordinary to use up the the pretty good plus four um, command and control. Um, and, and reading it through, and we'll, we'll pop this on the screen if we do a YouTube version of it as well. Um, so your first command, um, reading it down here, you've got two ordinary heavy knights impact. Um, you've got a couple of crossbowmen. You've got a couple of medium swordsmen halberdiers. 
and and the elite firearm infantry with a with a brilliant command. Um, the second command you've got pretty similar. It's it's three knights this time, still two crossbow. Um, instead of the swordsman, you've got a light horse with crossbow, getting you the, the scouting points, and then a heavy artillery. So that that's an interesting command. We can come back to that one. And then, then command three, which has got the ordinary general. Um, this does what it says on the tin, doesn't it? Three three knights and a couple of elite javelin light horse. So talk us through this. Was this an army that you thought, I'm picking it with a plan, with a, a plan in mind to take on a particular enemy or, or a plan about I, I intend to deploy this like this or you know what 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 was the thinking between behind that, that structure was there a, a top level way of way of approaching it well my guiding principle was to be water you know uh bruce lee you know the the company right company. yeah now his theory for martial arts was hmm. that you must be water so if you are okay. in if water is in a cup it becomes mm-hmm. a cup and okay. what is in the bowl, it becomes the bowl. So the theory was to build an army that could react to and adapt to mm. a number of different circumstances. And not okay. so much impose my plan on the enemy, so much as take away what I perceive to be his strengths or his <coughs> That's that's interesting, yeah, because because now I that's made me think actually. I'm looking at this and thinking if this was set up on the table opposite me, um, and I, I'm trying to play against this, I'm I'm suddenly looking at that list and struggling to to find something to aim at. You know, there doesn't look like there's a a centre or a way to en- envelop it or whatever. It, it's it's three lots of knights that can can work together. They can work separately. They can sit anywhere across the table. Yeah, what and the heavy artillery is. Is the only thing that's really, really going to be static there, isn't it? The, the rest of it is is movable, could could work anywhere. So that's a. And is this an approach that that you've you've kind of tried and tested, or was this an army that you? Is, is this some, is this a way that you've found as being successful playing? Well, I played about I don't know a dozen or so permutations of the army. Okay. Yeah. Trying out different builds, you know. Hmm. I found out that you probably don't want more than one artillery. It's yes. nice, but <laughs> one, one is kind of the right amount. Yeah, yeah. And I also found that if you take heavy infantry, the mm. options for the Italian heavy infantry, I mean, it varies from city-state to city-state. Mm. But um, generally speaking, you can only have a small amount of heavy infantry. And if you take your infantry as heavy, that means you can't take it as medium. So I can either take the halberdiers as medium or heavy. And if I take pike, well then I kind of want to take the halberdiers to yeah. as heavy to you know be their friends, yeah. command together. And so the issue was building commands that kind of work together both individually and collectively. Yeah, because because each time I've I've tried to put this list together myself, and a lot of the times, you know, you see it. To me, looking at the list on on page what is two hundred two, almost I would start with this list by going right, two mediocre pike, 
and something to sit in between them. So suddenly I've got a block of of three things. And then you, as you're right, you have to, to bolt them on. And suddenly you've you've sucked up a lot of points and you don't have much left for the the night. So so this is this is almost is that because you you kind of struggled with making the pike and the heavy infantry work, or or was there an anticipation of the potential enemies in in this period? I think it was uh, more the latter than the former. I think you can make the pike. I think you can make the heavy infantry work. Yeah. But um, if you want to take on elephants, around here in northern Virginia, elephants abound. There are elephants everywhere. That, that, must be, that must be terrible for the chickens, I imagine. But, um, uh, you, have, you have no yeah. idea. You have no, no idea. And, uh, Go outside, and, all, and there's a pachyderm. Just yeah. The traffic on the, traffic on the I-94. Oh, awful. Well, an I, elephant could do terrible I, yeah. damage to that. In fact, I, 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 just as an aside, I've, um, I, years ago with work, I went to um, India. And being taken from the airport in a cab about one in the morning when the, the flights land from London, um, we did nearly run into the back of an elephant in dense fog because um as as i worked out they um they don't have rear lights like cars which is a which is a challenge and and i imagine that would be the same challenge on um on the 94 with with some of the fog that gets around gets around virginia as well so actually yeah again i'm i'm now looking at your list again with with context um and and thinking about this theme and going actually yeah you know this is a this is a venetian army to to deal with the possibility of of big big watches of elephants or and some of the armies that can come in a what is a post post x date sort of list right because if you look at the late medieval period you're basically trying to deal with elephants some pike or longbow yep. and then really good quality uh shooting cavalry you know Mongol yeah. or Mamluks or what have you. Mm. And so, if you deal for those, everything else knights can just kind of kill normally. Yeah. But yeah. I feel that you need to do special planning to deal with those three threats. Okay. And so, the number of ranged elements in the army, are they called elements in this game? I don't, units? I, I, don't I think know. units, elements, bases, you know, they <laughs> I think you know. AD, one of the great things about ADLG is we've all got too old to be fussed about that stuff. It's it's just uh, troops on the table, isn't it? Well, That's you know, I, I, I'm yeah. actually a relative uh, spring chicken, as war gamers go. I'm, I'm not even forty yet, you know. So congratulations, congratulations! <laughs> I knew there was one. I knew we'd find one somewhere. Fantastic, <laughs> excellent. But uh, you know, nobody else uses the proper terminology, and I'm too lazy to figure it out on my own. Okay. <laughs> Well, let's, 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 call, let's call them units. Let's call them units. That sounds yeah. more normal, doesn't it? The number of ranged units contained in the army were there to combat all three of them. Yep. Because, obviously, they let, they let you outshoot the cavalry. They forced elephants to play conservatively. And they're actually pretty good against the elephants in combat. Or as good as anything else is. Yeah. And yep. then um, against pikes, especially against mediocre pikes, they can combine with knights to really put them on the horns of a dilemma, where the pikes either have to charge your knights, 
or they had to sit there and get shot. I, I, I can see it. I can actually see it. Yeah, I, I can see this working. So, so let's let's move on then, and um, I, I guess talk about how it played out in the games. Because looking looking at it, you've got your your Venetian army. It's it's tooled up to to take on elephants. And first up, you're in a world of elephants. You're you're playing the Khmer. Um, I think a world of elephants is is probably the right Definitely. thing. They've got they've got medium Definitely. medium infantry in, in between them. They've got the usual rubbish cavalry that, that every pseudo Indian Southeast Asian army seems to have. Um, so, what? How did that you know work? Was this was this the plan working? How did how did the terrain set out? Um, and how did you set out against what I imagine was a pretty solid line of, of elephants and mixed foot? Right. So the Khmer, basically there are two kinds of elephant armies. Those that have good troops to go between the elephants and those that have poor troops that go between the elephants. Yeah. And the Khmer have poor troops. Okay. So um, against that, what you usually want to do is charge your knights into the poor troops and ride them over. And just and tough it out. Take take some casualties against the elephants and just ride the thing down. Exactly. You want to kill the medium bowmen, whatever they are, and keep on going. Yeah. And so um, what happened is that I ended up defending. I won the initiative role. I won the initiative role for every game during the tournament, which was... Okay. Not entirely unexpected. Take a plus three, but still yep. pleasant surprise. Yeah. And I elected to defend in the plains because a um, plantation is bad for the elephants. Elephants don't like plantations. But my medium infantry, my uh, elite handgunners can fight well from the plantations. Okay. And also, so there's, so, sorry, there's an interesting question there about you know. That, and I think defending versus attacking is is one of those things in ADLG. You you start off thinking this is a no brainer. I I have to um, attack. I've got to move first, deploy second. That's brilliant. And then you get to a point of realizing the control over terrain that that defending gives you. As long as you've got a plan to use that, that that kind of works. But I would have I would have wondered against um you know these wide elephant and rubbish mixed armies um you kind of know how they're going to deploy because they've only got one trick really they're, they're just going to deploy in a, a big line in stuff they can roll forwards so if you let them move forwards are you are you not losing your your depth to to redeploy or concentrate on a on a particular area of the table or, or, or was your plan just to have done that by deployment anyway well there were two facets the smaller much less important facet was that you can kind of predict where the elephants are going to go, mm. and that let time and you can time their advance. You see where how far they're going to be in a given turn, which lets you optimize the number of artillery shots you get against get against them. Okay. Then the second thing, and the, the the important one, was that my plan was to set up an ambush, hopefully inside the plantation, but I also put a hill and a town on the board. All things okay. that knights can hide in or behind, and jump out of that ambush and roll the enemy up from the flank. So that's that's astonishingly radical because I think in 
I, I almost thought that part of the rules of ADLG was that you had to deploy an ambush with no troops in it just just to slow the enemy down. So to actually see an ambush with real troops in it must have been staggeringly shocking for anybody. <laughs> well, that's what happened during the game because yeah. I got virtually all the terrain fell on the right flank. Okay. And that's where I put command number one, the one with the halberd gears and handgunners in it. Okay. And then the other two commands held in the center, and I dismounted all their knights. Under the uh, theory okay. that a dismounted knight is slightly better against an elephant than a mounted knight. Yep. And and, and they're also and they're gonna go through the other stuff anyway, they dismounted. Exactly, because if you get attacked by spearmen, well the Halvard years kind of clear them out anyway. Absolutely so, cheer them up, yep. Two handed weapons. Two handed weapons. Heavy weapons? Whatever they call. Whatever they're called, same thing. Halberdiers, it's okay. No. So did did your opponent think you had a flank march or um that's an interesting uh, He was certainly somewhat prepared for it because yeah. opposite my ambush was his uh Siamese ally. Okay. Who hung back and were sort of wary of whether it was a flank march or an ambush. Okay. But because my troops were so rapid moving when I sprung the ambush, I was able to pin the infantry and the elephants in place with my ambushing knights and crossbows, okay. while the ambushing halberdiers went into the flank of the, of the main body of Okay, so you actually had two... Did you deploy the whole thing in ambush? Did you have two um, I had ambush two mark- ambush markers, yes. There was so much terrain, like wow. four pieces uh, of terrain fell on that one quadrant that I was able to put... My God. <laughs> That's Everybody. absolutely full on, isn't it? That yeah, I I would have, I think I would have just been in shock by that. I I think I would have lost if I was um, dri- driving the commit by the time seeing night nights boiling out of a wood on two ambush markers. Madness. Okay, good. So so they came out, rolled up the flank, and um, and you know what was what was the sort of because the psychological effect of that that cannon and the shooting did did the enemy stop and try and rally? You know, because because in some ways the answer is. Just charge forwards. Yeah, what happened is, is that that forced the cannon was also sort of more on the right center. That okay. I think was also part of what encouraged the Siamese behind that. Because okay. their their general was um, included in an elephant unit. Okay. And so yeah. he does not want to get hit by a cannon. That's a bad thing. No. no, no, no. That's not good. Okay. Right. So, so I think that encouraged him to hang back, which then meant that the, the flank of his main advance was mm. also exposed to my ambushing halberdiers. Okay. So so essentially, then, this was just the ambush jumped out it, and it rolled up that, that part of the army and the support shooting from the artillery did that as well. So even on the, the other side, did would, you must have had something else sort of left on the other side. Did... Um, was the rest of the Khmer army advancing into into thin air that you'd kind of refuse the flank? Or well, the Khmer army advanced head on into all of my dismounted knights okay. because I wanted to again pin him in place. It's one yeah. thing to have a flank attack, but a flank attack without frontal pressure doesn't really accomplish much. Okay. You need to force the enemy to stay in place while you come in on his mm. flank. So you, so you were actually advancing towards them with the dismounted knights as well as, as um, coming on the flank. 
more slowly, but yes, moving okay. up a little bit. And that was also to um, protect my ranged troops by advancing okay. up. You can kind of Asking. shelter your, your shooters. Yeah, okay. Because I always think that's one of the things that, that um, again, in AGLG, it's getting that pacing of working out when are my troops <sighs> going to lose, how long is it going to take, and then where are they winning and how quick is that going to take? And, you know, when when do I commit them? When do I hold them back for just one turn or, or, or whatever? Was was there a conscious bit of pacing in this or or was it let's just crush them because my, my flank march is, is all over them? Oh, absolutely. The, yeah. uh, the army is too fragile to use sort of a willy-nilly. You have to be okay. very conscious of your pacing. Every move has to be deliberate. Okay, interesting. Wow. So, so suddenly, then you're you're the guy with the knights, and you've trounced the elephant army, which is in theory the the machine that chews up knights. Um, you're top of the world after the first round, and then then you get another Indian army. Um, effectively, <laughs> you get the same army coming up twice with Tamil Indian, um, which is got what, what page one forty six. Which looking at it, that's so that's got pretty decent stuff in between. Um, the six elephants, hasn't it? In, in right, some has ways. a lot of uh, uh, impetuous troops. Even has yep. some each impact. Yeah, yeah. So, was this was this a repeat? Did something else? Uh, where, where did your terrain end up this time? Well, this was a uh, repeat of the same strategy to mm. ambush aggressively and try to flank the elephants and roll them up. But the terrain fell a little bit differently. Mm where um, it mostly fell on my opponent's side of the board. And there was a whole jumble of plantations and fields, like right smack in the middle of his lines. Okay. So when, when that there happened... there was a hill that... on the left flank on my side of the board, which was perfectly placed for my ambush. Okay. But when, when you get a load of either junk terrain in the middle of your, your deployment area, particularly if you've got something like elephants or heavy foot, I guess... You know, your opponent's looking at two choices there. He's saying either I stack everything on, on one side of this or I split my army and, and try and patch up that hole in the middle after I've gone past this terrain. So, you know, and if, and if there's a hill on one side in the open terrain, I guess there was a temptation to, to weight the opposite side in, in some way just because you almost are forced to do it by, by the terrain that you put in the middle. What, so what, what, how did it actually play out? What did, what did they choose to do? Well, it played out the way that you predicted in that he heavily weighted his right flank. That's where he put most of his big troops, all of his um, elite impact guardsmen. I'm not quite sure what they are supposed to be. Hmm. And a good chunk of his elephants. And he left mostly sort of riffraff to defend uh, the center left. Okay. So... So then, did that mean they were kind of too far away for your flank march to to swing into its flank, or...? Um... It did. It meant that it was not going to be sort of the immediate success that I experienced against the um, Khmer. Okay. So, so they all kind of jumped jumped over the hill and went, ta-da! And the enemy went, yeah, but we're a long way away, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of one of those things. <laughs> Bring it right. on. Yeah. But the one good thing was that they were so far away that I was actually able to perform a triple march with wow. my infantry up the board and be basically at his board edge. <laughs> okay. At the end of turn one, 
before doing a right turn and rolling up towards his camp. Ah, so actually, yes. So if you, you, you know, if you're able to put pressure on the camp of an army, even that attacks, these armies with elephants are not not massive generally, are they? The, the command, the camp can make quite a difference. So, did you um actually in this one, did you dismount the knights as well, or did you um kick some of them mounted this time? I only dismounted the knights on the far right flank, facing okay. off against um is sort of is a right hook. Okay, all right. So yeah. two lots of mounted knights doing stuff, yeah. Right, because of the way that his deployment was, where he was so far off center, mm-hmm. I figured that it was better to have my central knights be mounted so they could more easily maneuver up into yeah. a flanking position on his advance. Okay, all right. So, so your opponent he's pushing forward on his right. Your troops on on the left, We're if I've got it right. Pushing forward on our respective lefts. On your left, okay. So your your ambush is behind the hill on the left. He's pushing forward on, on your yeah, right. On his left, my right. Yeah, on his left, your right. Your troops are, are dismounted to, to wait for him to come. So it's basically who can swing round faster, um, I guess, to to get into the, the squishy squishy edges of, of each other's army. So so how did that pan out? You know, because you kept the knights mounted this one. Did they did they hit things and go through or were they able to avoid the elephants? Well, it turned out both very well and not well for me, where okay. my mounted knights were able to flank the elephants and engage them from two, sometimes three sides at the same time, but the elephants rolled really well. <laughs> that, 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 that's the solution to everything, really. Rolled yes, that always does, doesn't it? And so even though I wasn't losing, I wasn't winning quickly enough. The elephants uh. were hanging around, they were tying me up. And so if you're, I was, if you're committing two or them, three nights, yeah, that's a lot, isn't it, to each elephant? It's a lot. It's a lot. And they were, um, and then my my range troops were kind of in the center of the board, and mm. they did a good job shooting the elephants, whatever. My opponent didn't want to come in because of the the threat of the flanking knights, but he had to because my range support was so effective. So he charged in there. And I believe destroyed everything on contact. Ah, okay. <laughs> so it's so it's one of those that, that that teaches you to um laugh in the face of adversity. And then um grim, grimace once grimace once you should go to the bathroom um out of sight of everybody else, I guess. Yeah. So so you've got a, a real swinging game, you've got some huge explosions. Were there any um any good elephant rampage moments? Um or or did even that go against you as well? Uh, the only uh, elephant rampage of note was that one trampled forward to hurt my artillery. Oh. <laughs> my artillery had killed an elephant earlier in the game, and so this was a form of a revenge against it. Right. <laughs> and the artillery takes a hit, and then it gets charged by some medium infantry, and manages to kill them, despite being down a bit. So, um, the artillery... So got through the fight unscathed, but pretty much everything else in the center and on the right got run over by elephants on top. <laughs> okay, so so there's carnage everywhere. There's It's like it's like a bowling alley with elephants uh, instead of pins. And um, so what? how did that game pan out then, in, in the end? So uh, at the end, we were both like a single move away from each other's uh, camp. And uh, he ended up winning the game. He ended up winning oh. the game because... One of his elephants 
was. So now we're gonna have two sides by night, and he ended up winning the combat and flicking the hit on me, which pushed me over my breakout. Oh, well, it sounds like a fantastic, fantastic game, and um, it was really great. Yeah, and again, it's a very different, very different outcome from the the first game, obviously. But it it sounds like a large part of that was that the terrain really fell in your favour in in the first one. And then in the second one, you, it was just not quite in in the right place for for repeating the same tactic. Then, yeah, it, yeah it, that's right. I think yeah. also my opponent had a better plan mm-hmm. in the second game. It, his attack was a little more um, echelon, so he was True. kind of protecting the flank. Okay, the so, he, so he created a bit of a diagonal line rather than rather than just going forwards and and stepping in and giving a flank. Right. Exactly. Okay, good. All right. So, so game three. I'm, and again, I'm trying to remember how you you guys run things in the states. Is this game three on the same day? Right. The the, the tournament is a little bit strange in that we have four games on the first day and four, one game okay. on the last day. Ah, so then then people drive back home for about seventy two hours overnight and in in shifts and things. That's right. the American I'm way. Not quite sure why they did that because the following Monday was a holiday, so. In theory, we could have extended it out a little longer. But maybe, maybe, maybe there's some war gamers out there who, with, with wives and families, I don't know. There must be one or two, possibly, <laughs> that have to get home. Otherwise, I don't know any of them. Nobody knows any of those people. No one admits to it, or, or, or even actually talks about it, do they? But, but you know, I've got many war gaming friends. I, I couldn't even tell you their surnames really, but I know all their armies and, and, and some of the figures from many years. Um, right. So game game three. You're you're halfway through the day now, um, and very different thing this time, Steppe Mongols, which could be any one of the Mongolian lists, and, and I can probably guess what it, it looks like um, It's actually now. literally called Steppe Mongolian. Steppe Mongolian, that's the one. And I guess what heavy cavalry, medium cavalry, elite, shooters, quite small, 1920 elements, something like that. That's right. That's, right. that's basically it. So, so this is going to dance around more than you, isn't it? But it's, it's testing you the other theory with the army, you've you've tested the elephant theory to destruction, and now you're testing the the kind of Turkic cavalry theory. So, so this this must be an interesting one for terrain choice. Then was this was this you defending yet again? Um, gosh, I think no, I forget if I. Actually, no, it looks. I think I think you might have done. Well, I, I have to defend because if I attack him, I can only attack him with steps. But he's okay. Me. All right, that's so, another great. Yeah. I defended in the mountains, and the theory I have against invasion cavalry armies is okay. to try to get a big piece of difficult or impassable terrain in the middle of their deployment zone, because hmm. that greatly impedes their ability to retreat and maneuver. Yeah. And that happened. I got a nice big lake, nice big piece of impassable terrain. In the middle of the board, mm. and then my opponent rolled a six and got rid of it. Oh, right. <laughs> and, and, and the plan crumbles to dust. So you, you've got, <laughs> so you basically, you've now got a, a, a billiard table um, or a pool table or, or whatever the right term would be transatlantically, um, and a Mongol army on on a billiard table. So, how, and my how understanding you... is that billiards and pool are different games. But they, they ADLC are, is a different is a third game. 
that we could use. I guess so, yeah. But as long as you don't use, lose any elephants down any of the pockets, I think the um, the, the, the theory is still the same. <laughs> they still work out the same way. Right, but, right. So pretty yeah. much the only terrain was, very conveniently, the left side of the board was completely lined with steep hills and forests. Uh, but all of them touched the board edge, so they maybe extended, you know, four UGN. So it's a so it's a de facto waterway, really. Right. And the okay. only other terrain was a village on my far right front. Okay. And so perhaps clinging to it like a mm. bit of flotsam in a storm. Yeah. Yep. I developed <laughs> my uh, plan around using that village as an anchor to kind of protect my flank and kind of pivot out to mm. um, roll the Mongols up. You know, sort of a that- revolving door that's it's a it's a very difficult thing to um to not do isn't it you know you you sit there you create if if you're anything like me you look you create a defensive position and you think right i've got this great defensive position what am i going to do now i'm going to advance out of it that's exactly that's my my strategy really (laughs) which is which always seems to be a bit tricky when you when you get about halfway through it um really when, when i do it so well, how, how did it how did it pan out for you um, against this one? And how did these these mixed knight and crossbow units fare against um, Mongol Mongol heavy cavalry, Mongol medium cavalry? Well, my my opponent did a very clever thing, and he sent a small command on a flank line, which obviously could only show up on my right flank because yeah. the left flank was cluttered with them. Okay. And because there was a flank march coming up on my right, I couldn't advance. <laughs> True, yeah, because they, so they... As I, because my army is so small, I don't really have anybody I can kind of leave behind. Yeah, so true. So I move up, the flank march kind of comes in. Yeah. And then on top of that, because the flank march panics anybody who's within 40D of it mm. when you show up. That, that the village was indefensible as well. Yeah, yeah. So any troops in the village would immediately just get routed off the board. Just flee, yeah. Yep. And my opponent combined this with a very aggressive strategy of his two nearly identical commands of medium, um, elite, QD cavalry, along with a couple of uh, heavy impact QD cavalry okay. coming yep. up right in my face. And he refused the center on me because I had deployed my ordinary commander in the center. Okay. And I believe his theory was to tap that commander's ability to go left or right. He can't really split his forces. Yeah, because that's only got that's just got three knights and a couple of light horse, hasn't it? So that's right. a tricky one, and that's a tricky one to split. Certainly, if you split the knights into a right. group, you you do end up with a gap that the heavy and medium cavalry will. Will charge straight into. But it also ended up, I think, being a bit of a mistake because that was my best counter to the cavalry. Mm. Because the medium, the medium cavalry are highly vulnerable to the Stratiops, who are light horse, uh, javelin elite. Yes. You beat them if they charge them. Yep, yeah, you're up, you're, you're pretty much up at, uh, uh-huh. oh no, you're, you're evens at combat, but you're, you're both elite, aren't you? So right. it's very doable. And then I'm faster than them, and then I can yep. get behind them and stop them from evading. So okay. what happened is that I made this charge into his cavalry, 
with my knights while my um, Stradiots maneuvered on the rear, and his cavalry just kicked my butt. I lost <laughs> virtually all the rolls <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> against him. It did not okay. go very well at all. Because <laughs> you know, again, I, I obviously don't have been there, but I, I, we've all done that. And um, is that you lost all the rolls, or, or if you look back, you go, actually, he had some overlaps and, and stuff like that. Because it's oh. sometimes it happens, and sometimes it's no, I just I just lost out. And then you look back at, well, did I really? You know, were, were there were they just wider than me, and, and I was forced into being being a bit more bold. Oh, absolutely. It's a little yeah. bit of uh, bad goals and a little bit of bad generalship. Yeah. They and always then, seem to come together, don't they? <laughs> they, they really do. They really yeah, it's do. just a strange and coincidence there. Strange coincidence, yeah. Uh, but then conversely, on the right flank by the village, where I had my cowboy ears, my crossbowmen, my hand gunners, mm. two elements of knights, units of knights, yeah. defending the camp against the Mongol flank march, they held out brilliantly. So the most vulnerable troops in the army were able to repel the Mongolian assault. Yeah. While the um, <laughs> yeah. While the favored but, troops did not. Yeah. But again, you know, I, I guess with the crossbowmen, you you ping off one or two hits off off a few Mongol cavalry, and suddenly their effectiveness before they get into combat is dramatically reduced. Right, and also because I kind of sandwich my crossbowmen in between and slightly behind my more yep. proper fighting troops. It's difficult yep. to engage them. Difficult engage them. Okay. So so you're you're being kind of swarmed on all sides. You're fighting a, a slightly offensive defensive game, which is which is a tough one with, with a very mobile army to to hang on to. Your strategists are doing well, other people are doing badly. So so how did that one how did that one pan out in the end then? You know, I'm seeing a, a big fight near your baseline next to this village with things coming at you from all sides kind of like um like in um i'm just trying to think of the the film um but it will come back to me it's a starship troopers almost starship troopers okay yeah, yeah. all right i was going to say days of wine and roses but oh, right. <laughs> possibly not i don't know that kind of yeah yeah um but so the mongolians tried to you know infiltrate some troops to the village and i had moved my hand gunners out and then as soon as the Mongolians came into the village, the handgunners went back in and promptly killed two or three units of light horse and cavalry. So, so the handgunners were able to go into the village and take on cavalry? Right, because the cavalry... I trying believe to push through. At, they're at minus three. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. The handgunners are uh, at zero and they're elite. And so, so they're they're going to um, they're going to butcher cavalry. And, and so the cavalry were trying to push through the, the village because they because, thought they were committed because, elsewhere, but... Right, because I'm a I'm a noted military genius. I had deployed my camp right up flush against right. the village, so okay. anything that moved through the village would sack the camp. Would get four um, points, yeah. Okay, right. That's worth um, the punches, no doubt. And then what happened is when the handgunners stormed out and they attacked, um, they started doing the overlaps against yeah. the Mongolians. And so at this point, we were at I once we both had breakpoint and point. Okay. And he was at like oh I don't know. 18, I was at 17. We were both teetering mm. on the balance. Yeah. The and on the last turn of game, what happened is, is that I got, I was able to kill his included general on the flank marching command with my okay. flanking handgunners and some proper troops holding him front of it. 
And then he won every other combat. Right. And so, okay. like, overwhelmingly. So the result yeah. of the game was a draw, but I inflicted 20 points of losses on him, and he inflicted, I think, about 30 on me. Right. Okay. But, but, you know, it's a draw. It's it's They all count. It's a mutual destruction. You get more points for that than than just a normal draw. So, And it sounds like there was... Um, was quite a lot of sports all all across the table. Right, very bloody. Uh, a yep. lot of truly inept generalship on my part. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I think um, it sounds like your opponent putting putting cavalry through a through a village when there's there's elite handgunners around. Um, but must have must have contributed his part there as well. I think. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure why he did that. Um, mm. I think it was just the, the novelty of the experience. Yeah, it's it's so tempting though. If you think, oh, I only get through a couple of moves and and it's taking points away from from the main fight, and if I get one through, I eat the baggage. It's four points. You know, I I I, I could have made that mistake quite easily. I think just um, and, and justified it to myself quite possibly, quite possibly. Good. So you're now into the fourth game of the the epic epic marathon um, on day one, and you're getting. An army that's got almost as complicated a, a, a list as as your own, the medieval Spanish, which which again can be can be all sorts of different sub nationalities and and stuff like that. It's got impetuous knights usually, and then one of the questions with it is: Do you go Almugavars um, for those those high quality impact elite foot, or do you go for something that's a, I guess a bit more like the the type of army that you've put together that's that's about mobility and knights and, and good quality. Light horse, but but I guess in an elephant period, um, it must be tempting to take take our Mugavars to to chew up the the rubbish infantry between elephants, and and it may be just tempting to take our Mugavars anyway because they're pretty cool. They're very good. They're very yep. good. Uh, and you have, uh, yeah, I, I think that's pretty much summarizes the Spanish battle. You can either do uh, Mugavars or you can do the Unetes, like the, the light horse. Yep. Um, and he went for the Almugavar option. I'm not sure if that's Castillo or Aragon. I'm not sure. I think I think it's Aragon, possibly Aragon. Oh no, don't. No, it's in both Aragon and Castile. Oh okay. Well, he had a lot of Almugavars, so okay. So that's <laughs> possible. That's possibly Aragonese then. I think. Um, yeah, they have up to four. Possibly, it looks like it. Um, and the other one only has two. So okay. So there's Almugavars there. There's some impetuous knights. So. It's in Spain. I guess the battle was in the plain. Does it always work like that? that that's exactly right. I, I believe that the battle in Spain stays in, in the plain. Mainly in the plain. Yes, indeed. Good. We're, we're all in tune there. It's almost as if we rehearsed. Excellent. Um, so how? So what have you got a kind of normal agricultural bit of everything kind of kicking around? Someone with the Almugavars wants fields. You're not so sure you do. Right. Some, is it right. just a... I went for a more open battlefield this time, so I put a lot less terrain on the board because I figured the Almugavars would want to be there. Yeah. Um, I did get a nice hill in my deployment zone to put my cannon on. Okay, can... that's good. Yeah. Not well placed for an ambush, but I was attacking this dude anyway, so uh, right. doesn't make a, much of a difference there. Hmm. Ambushing only really matters, I think, if you're a defender. Practice. No, absolutely, yeah. There's there's nowhere else to put them really if you're attacking and, and you should be. If you're choosing to attack, you want to be across the table anyway. Right. Right. So my opponent had a similar army composition to me. 
he had um, spearmen, more spearmen and fewer knights. But unlike me, he didn't have like combined arms commands. Okay. So his on my left flank, his right, on my left flank was all of his cavalry. So I'm not sure, five or six knights. Okay. One of them was eight and some elite white horse. Then in the middle was the, the Pride of Spain, which was about half a dozen mediocre spear with some uh, light infantry shielding it. Okay. And then on the right, kind of vaguely with lots of different ambush markers, mm. ended up being a whole bunch of Amugavars and some crossbowmen. Okay. So, do you, you know, looking at that army and, and seeing it, did you think, um, you know, the spears are there to to bulk it out and be too wide to attack, or are they a, a target? Or because mediocre spear is one of those things that I'm convinced there must be a way to use it, but I'm I'm not convinced I'm capable of finding it out finding out how to do it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not very uh, convinced about the virtues of medium spear. Uh, sorry, mediocre spear. Mediocre spear. Yeah. Yeah, they're or medium spear for that matter. Mm. They're um, not much for combat against anything, and they're very vulnerable yep. eating. Um, yep. But they do have the advantage that knights don't really like to attack them frontally. Yeah. That's the yeah. worst thing in the world, but you don't want to do it. You don't have to. Yeah, it's, it's going to take you a while to chew through them, and then the other guy's knights are going to be doing something. So so maybe they you know they do work as a big, cheap kind of do-I-don't-I. Uh, you, could, you could go wrong piling into them, I guess. Yeah, just because of what it means the rest of the army can do. And if we go back to our sort of three paradigms of builds that we have, mm. you have the elephants, you have the medieval Europeans, and you have the uh, uh, staff nomads. The spears, I believe, would be decently good against elephants and Europeans, but yep. really just total dead weight against the nomads. Yeah, because there's just not enough of them to to start pushing someone off the table with with that you've got to be doing you've got to be feeling 20 plus to to be getting into position to do that you've got to be using rust not just just six and then they're being shot to pieces all the way yeah. and just yeah. not yeah you, you lose six eight points just with them being shot by by light horse sometimes okay exactly. so so there in the middle you've got i guess knights now moving on either side and it's a fairly openish terrain so what you know did you concentrate somewhere did you where did you choose to to put the punch in this one? Well, I put most of my troops on the left flank, the relatively open left flank, mm. under the theory that they could use that nice hill to shoot from, and then the knights could kind of ride forward across the open terrain and try to outflank the spins. Okay. And then I had my few medium spear and my um, swordsman. Yeah. Yeah. And hand gunners facing off against the you know, bars. If you can fight them in bad terrain, you can hold up. Yeah. Okay. But then I, I rapidly determined that my opponent was in no mood to advance and no mood to fight me at all. I think perhaps because he was afraid of my cannon. <laughs> the great psychological effect of a cannon. Yeah. I think the lone cannon there made him just back up. Yeah, no, I, it, it can do. It absolutely can do. You know, and I've, I've, I can look back at games and competitions that I can say I lost that because of the cannon, um, because the, they look easy to attack, but 
you get bogged down and suddenly they're shooting in your turn and the opposition's turn and you do kind of have to avoid them because they can they can knock two three four points of damage off off someone who's advancing to them quite quickly and in, in some of these smaller armies that's a real problem yeah, so what i did here was i because i had to attack his line i did it in kind of a three-step process so the first step is that you move up your knight slightly ahead of your crossbows. So your crossbows mm. are within four UD and their shield. Yep. And the knights, the enemy knights can't charge you. Then what you do is then you kind of shuffle some knights around the front. Mm. Kind of overlap the enemy line. Then and you, and you've got that third command with just the three knights that, that can do that because it's just there with the, the light horse javelin, the Australians, right. whatever. Yeah. Right. And that's that's what they were doing. They were holding my far left. Okay. And then what you do is then you advance forward and you zock the whole line of shot groups with hmm. your crossbow bolt while you have a unit or two of knights shuffling around the flank. So that way, the enemy can't avoid the flank charge. Okay. And hopefully by this time, his knights have been softened up a little bit, so they're not going mm. to ride right over the crossbow. Yeah. So you're, so this is um, this is a bit of a bum job for the crossbowmen, isn't it, really? It's, it's uh, like, yes. Guys, you're, you're signed up to be to die today whilst, um, whilst the mobility deal with um, the enemy from the flank. That's, but, right. you know, I guess... I guess you pay your money and uh, and you don't get a choice really if you're a medieval mercenary. <laughs> that's the way it works. Yeah, okay. my uh, my halberdiers have a similarly fun job facing off against five units of Amugavars. Where I okay. feel like one unit of Amugavars is better than both of my halberdiers together, so yeah. five <laughs> is kind of a hard ass. Yeah, that's quite a lot, isn't it? Yeah. But um, so while the medium infantry was sort of putting in and capturing and Zach. Mm. Nice. The knights were preparing to get overlaps, get flank charges. Okay. And that's eventually what happened. Is, is I got units of knights into either end of his line, one attacking his knights, one attacking the mediocre spearmen, and I kind of rolled up his main battle line from both ends. Okay. So this this almost you know sounds like that thing we talked about earlier about the pacing of exactly. putting your troops in a combat, knowing they are going to lose, but but the time when they get committed means that the rest of your army's then got time to to do something much more decisive and, and swing it in your favour. Right, I mean, that's exactly right. It's like, what I find wins in ELT, well, what really wins is rolling lots of sixes. That's the best yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but otherwise, you want to get either incredibly lopsided matchups, like hmm. knights against medium infantry in the open. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or you need to engineer a flank attack. Yeah. You're not really going to win a melee decisively and lopsidedly in your favor unless you do one of those two things. Sure. 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 Yeah. It's 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 getting getting those right things. So so this sounds like this was a game that was going very much the right way for you. It... Right. It took it was the fourth game of evening, so mm. it took a little bit more. Um, Mental fortitude, and I really yeah. wanted mm -hmm. that. Was, was, uh, was there a bar in the gaming shop? Or um... uh, yes. Excellent. Right. Okay. That's that's okay then. <laughs> that helps. 
All right. So there's so it sounds like that was a that was a win, and you're um you're off for whatever um post gaming thing that that Americans do that that in the UK would be um, an Indian meal almost inevitably. So is there a is there a US um, DC area ADLG post competition standard form of dining, or or did you just insist everyone went for chicken? <laughs> Uh, no, I just went to uh, one of the uh, local sort of hipster establishments, which uh, serves a uh, craft beer of various kinds. Excellent. You, you grew you grew a large bushy mustache and um, and, and a check shirt and fitted right in. No, as long as you didn't talk to anybody about wargaming, um, right. uh, nobody right. can tell the difference. That's all good. Yeah, I think I got I, I had a, a nitros, which are injected with nitrogen rather than carbonated. Ah, okay, yeah, right. Very, very tasty. Yeah, no, I, I, I buy that. So, so then after um, four days, four games, um, and some nitro beer, and uh, I'm sure a hearty American breakfast, you're into the last game on on a bright and sunny morning, and you're playing medieval Scots, which um, which I've actually I've got one of those. I, I've I've painted it up. Um, obviously, it it just sometimes has different flags and appears as um low countries as well, um, which I got after having a horrendous experience against at um, the, the Worlds in Belgium a few years ago when um, I think all of us UK players were were thinking that we were starting to get the hang of ADLG and this was our first big international tournament and a, um, I think a 15-year-old lad from Italy um, wiped the floor with me by just throwing a wall of um, poor quality pikemen at me that I had no real answer to deal with because I I just not expected how quickly it, it could run across the table and overwhelm my my small complicated but but not very good force so um it it holds holds some joy and some horrors for me that that army so um how how did you um you know, how did you approach that from with your dancing small kind of mobile mobile army knowing that there's probably going to be a, a load of men with sticks well, this is a, a genius insight, which I believe that uh, you can first attribute to Alexander the Great. But there are really two plans. You can either defend or you can attack. I'm, I'm, I'm buying it. I'm buying it, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, I was playing uh, medieval Italians. You know, there are a lot of uh, secular humanists. They're reading hmm. all the classics. So I figured that they have their, you know, the Jesus and the Caesar well in mind. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, when you deal with pike and you have knights, if you're defending, you want to have your knights mounted. Mm. Because if you're defending, that means the Scots or whomever, Swiss, whatever they are, have mm. to charge you. And yes. pike does not want to charge knights. No, no, no. Conversely, and somewhat counterintuitively, if you're attacking, you want to dismount. Because dismounted foot knights are at least okay charging against pike. Where and they, and they get, they get mediocre, mediocre pike there. Uh-huh. I think they're better, really. Right. I think they're a tiny bit better in, yeah. in the front of combat. Yeah. Mm. Because Actually, I suppose if they're elite, yes. Your, yours would be ordinary, though. So that's, yeah, um, mine's, well, mine's well that's, a, that's a bit more of a, a toss up, isn't it? Yeah. So what I did is I. Attacked again and attacking agriculture and got terrain all over the board. There was just mm. terrain everywhere. Um, so you ended up with a plantation right smack dab in the middle of the board. 
like okay. right in the middle. Great, that's good, isn't it? Yep. Really good. Those yeah. Really good. And then on the right flank, there was a number of fields, kind of running up and down the length of the field, like three fields back to back to back, mm. all on the right. And so, what I anticipated is I anticipated that the um, Scots would put their Highlanders in the field. Yeah, that's so, the um, that's the medium foot um, swordsman bow that that you almost feel you have to have with the army, otherwise it just becomes a bit too dull to use. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. They might not be that good, but you just got to kind of have them. Right. So I figured that if I attack on the right flank with mm. my rough troops and my dismounted knights, I would be able to flank the pipeline, and the pipeline would be unable to advance quickly frontally because I'd fill that plantation up with crossbow men and more dismounted knights. Okay, all right. Again, you need to pin the enemy frontally while you're working the flank attack. It doesn't work yeah. to just sit there. And my opponent deployed basically as I had anticipated. He put an enormous block, I don't know, 12 units, something yep. like that, of uh, Meteor for Pike in the middle of the board with um, dismounted minute arms at either end. Okay. And mm -hmm. then he had, uh, as predicted, the um, Scots, sorry, the Highlanders. Highlanders, yeah. <laughs> the Highlanders yep. occupying the field. And then cleverly, beyond that, all the way out on my right flank, his left, he had mm. a tiny command of three French knights. Yes, this is this is what the um the, the Italian lad had as well. I think that um, that caught me out because it, it shouldn't have been there, and they're really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it was one of those things where I kind of got into my head that both the French and the Highlanders were allies, so you couldn't have both yeah. of them. Yeah. I actually don't think either of them are allies. Maybe one of them is. No, I think the Highlanders are, but you can, you can have up to um, four French knights. Yeah. Yeah. So that made things interesting, but not too terrible, because the French can't come into the fields. Yes. Especially if I dismount my knights and I defend the field against them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so the game starts off well enough. I, I move up very quickly, very aggressively. In the middle, he sees that um, plantation while hanging back a little bit on the right to kind of draw the Highlanders forward. Mm -hmm. and, and they're going to want to come forward, aren't they? You know, they've um, that's basically what they do. You don't you don't choose Highlanders and, and sit them there because they're those kind of troops who, no matter what their unit stats are or their qualifications are, you are going to convince themselves yourself that they're just going to win because they're cool and they're wearing these kilts. You know, we've all seen uh, Rob Roy, you know, the final sword fight at the end. I exactly. Not with that kind of no, you can't mess with that. You can't mess with that. Yeah. Can't mess with that. No. So, uh, here my opponent committed a mistake, where he attacked very aggressively on his left, my right, with the Highlanders and the French Knights, but he did not move up his pike. Okay, so you've got two little commands that have, have outdistanced the, the main the main line of pedestrians and, and have started to create their own flanks. Right. I believe that the pike were afraid. First, they were afraid of my single cannon. Mm -hmm. 
popping at them. Yep. And secondly, they were afraid of my my third command, the one with the uh, three knights and the two light horse. Okay. Which were maneuvering aggressively on the left. Right? Yeah. Putting up mm. a show of force. Yeah. Okay. So I believe that the pike were um, intimidated into quiescence. Mm. And as a result, the attacking uh, Highlanders, who also had some longbowmen, I want to say. Yes, they do. Yeah. With them. Some sort of native lowlanders with ranged weapons supporting them. Moving up in the fields, but then they were, they left their flank completely wide open to a flank attack from my halberdiers who were occupying the central plantation. So, my halberdiers, seeing an opportunity, decided to take it, and they charged right in. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I maneuvered my foot knight and my crossbowmen who were in the field up to zock the Highlanders and prevent them from responding to the flank attack. Mm-hmm. And that all seemed to go very well. I felt very good about this. And then I, I lost every combat, and my guys just died. So, so basically, my theory about Highlanders is is actually true. They just yes. outperform things just because they're cool. So that, that's exactly right. And okay. so I had them. I had the troops flanked. I had them outnumbered. I had yep. them. Right where I wanted, and I lost everything. And, and it, um, it just all got a bit cinematic, really, I guess. Right. And so at this point, I uh, did what you should never do, which was I took counsel of my despair. Right. And just uh, kind of gave up on the game. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've done it. We've all done it. Yeah. It's like, oh, let's, let's just attack stuff and see what happens. I was sort of like, ah, this doesn't matter. The whole game's over anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Because I lost about, I don't know. This, this game system's rubbish. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I lost about 15 or 16 cohesion points out of uh, 20. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's yeah. tricky, isn't it? Yeah. So I was like, that's it. It's over. Yeah. And um, then what happened is I had left one unit of night on the right side mounted. Mm-hmm. To kind of maybe just sort of threaten the, the flank the Franks a little bit as they decided yeah. to get into the field. And this knight decided that he was having none of it. And he started to fight the French and fight the Highlanders one at a time, killing them one at a time. In the field, whilst mounted? Uh, actually, no. They, he, started off, he started off in the open. Okay. He got charged by the French knights. Yeah. Killed one immediately. Okay. Then slid over on the next round, killed the next guy. Right? <laughs> okay. Charged, <coughs> charged into the field, hit a Highlander in the flank, killed him. Yeah, well, that's tempting. If you can hit them in the flank, that is actually worth doing, isn't it? If the field's yeah. are, are bad, but, but a flank is a flank is a flank. Exactly. And then uh, he ended up, the, at this point, the only guy left in the command was that one unit. So I had attached the general to him. I yeah. was committing the general every fight. Yep. I, and then, um, full of, uh, not pissy vinegar, I don't know, wine yeah. and <laughs> al dente pasta. Yep. Uh, the knight charged uh, the lone unit, the lone remaining unit of French gendarmes in the rear. Mm-hmm. And the French won the fight, rolled the one to kill my general, and because of the cohesion points of being inflicted by killing the general, that was enough to give me the victory. Oh. <laughs> so, so it's so it's all collapsed. 
then you nearly clawed it back with some some ridiculous heroics, and then <laughs> and then then normal or normal services resumed. Just exactly. Exactly. just when you're almost thinking, I could walk away with this and and try and find some way of telling this as a story of luck rather than um sorry the story of skill rather than just luck but uh, but then you go yeah it, it all balanced out in the end then well, fantastic so so you've so you're done then you've, you've gone down to the, the did you even engage the pikeman at all did the pikeman just sort of sit there and, and watch <sighs> while this kind of got got, got involved with, with all the um the foot in the terrain yeah, the only thing that happened with the pike was that they took a couple of uh, cohesion losses for my crossbowman feeding them, which they got. Okay. And they wow. did nothing the whole game. Uh, they moved up to kind of threaten my troops in mm. the plantation. But because you don't impose yeah. a, a Zoc into the terrain that just yeah. orders you, I was just able to like walk away. Fine, yeah. So you, so you nearly beat the Scots without taking on the pike, and they beat you without using the pike. That's exactly right. Yes. Okay. So you're you're now so we're now whatever it is um Sunday Sunday mid morning you're two two and one um right. which is which is not a bad result it's um it's clean isn't it it's um, two wins two losses and a, a draw and a mutual destruction draw so that's pretty good um and um it looks like your team finished pretty much middle of the pack as well um which was a scratch team wasn't it um put, put right. together from from various people right and exactly. um and um the team i'm just i'm just looking so the team got a prize for beating your for outperforming expectations exactly well what it really was is that we had um three sort of mediocre to poor players hmm. and then uh, one fellow from michigan who apparently is like the best player in america uh, i don't know that's what people okay. are telling all right um and so he did all the heavy lifting yeah. And so he ended up winning uh best general for the um uh early period with his African vandals. Yeah, that's a that's a fun army. When that when that works, that really works. Then our uh Crusader player, who was a uh a Frenchman mm. playing uh medieval French, you know, Army of Saint Louis and all that. Mm. Medieval French, perhaps? Possibly, yeah. Yes. Uh he did not have um, the best tournament, and then our uh, enemies of the crusade playing Muscovites had sort of a mixed results. Uh, the the conclusion was that he would have done better if he played his army at all before right. putting it on the field for the tournament. Yes, yes, that's all good. Yeah, I I I, I do find that does help and, and i still haven't learned that lesson after many many years <laughs> because you know it's just practicing's too hard isn't it really it's good good but so this was so this was your was this actually your first your first adlg tournament then uh my first proper one i played in some impromptu ones back when i lived up in new england but it was okay. my, uh, my first like real one with wow so how how was it then you know is, it, is this something you're going yep that was fun because you know i know there's the there's the inevitable question about tournament players and the rest of it. But I, I've in in 20, 20 mumble mumble years, possibly 30 mumble mumble years of, of, of doing this. Um, you know, I just regard it as as a chance to meet meet and play somebody um, who you've never met before and have a beer with them afterwards. And, um, you know, there's, there's vanishingly small um, tournament itis out, out there. And I think a lot of it's down to down you. So you were happy with that? Um, Good results, good people, good beer. 
Yeah, I had an awful lot of fun. Uh, the beer is always good. Well, if you pick yep. the right one. Constantly. Of course, definitely. And uh, I had a great time in all five of my games. No, they, they sound like really, really entertaining games. Really, you know, they all were pretty close. They, they could have gone either way. There was some good, good cinematic moments in all of them. Uh, it's, it sounds like a, a hoot, actually, a real hoot. Well, I think so, a lot of that comes from sort of taking more of a gambling approach hmm. to my playstyle. Because if you figure, if you ask yourself, how am I going to win? Rather than simply trying to not lose, hmm. you end up with more dynamic. Uh, yeah, and having an army that's on the front foot and is all mounted, it gives you that chance to to do stuff. And then you can also dismount and become an infantry army, which is is good. But I I can actually now see the the opportunities of of not just starting this list with two poor pikemen, halberdier in between, something on the flank, and then what else am I going to buy? I I can see I can see how this works as a mounted army as well. So yeah, just to kind of wrap up, if you were if you were changing that army from Okay, I've done five games with it. What do I know now? What would I change? What What would you um What would you change out of that? Well, I think that if you kept the um the same basic approach, the army, you know, mostly knights and crossbows, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, one thing I might do would be to include another unit of light infantry. Okay. To you know, increase the breakpoint of the army to act as a screen mm. for the knights. That would be that would be a change worth considering. Another I, thing you I, I think actually I think that's um that's a thing that that is probably a good thing to look at with, with most armies. I'm I'm trying to draw up an army list for a competition in Greece at the moment and um I do find that you kind of shed the light infantry through the iterations of an army list and then you end up with less than you actually really should have. And it, you know, it might be almost one of those rules of thumb that once you've iterated an army list a few times on on paper or on a spreadsheet, you know, almost the last act should be going back and going, stick in one more light infantry, because you're going to end up with, with too few, I think. Um, it, it, it just seems to be too much. You really want one or two to come in. Yeah, you do. You definitely do. And it's easy to shed them and go, oh, I can actually get a better real troop for that. And But then you, you get shot and you're a factor down and um, and, and your real troops are, are just not very good. Okay. So so adding the light infantry, which I think is a general lesson from there. Um, anything else? Any other options? Another thought would be to add in some medium cavalry. Either yeah, because you, you, had, you had three light cavalry, which, you know, the, the default is usually two. Um Bumping well, one of those up to me. Because I was taking the Venetian option. Because yeah. You have to take two standing options. Yeah. You have to take the mounted crossbow. Okay. But can but that mounted crossbowman be in cavalry? Or? All, both the Stradiots and the crossbowmen can be medium cavalry. Okay. All right. So I think that's another change that I would do is switch one of those two, one of those three units to medium cavalry. Okay. All right, interesting. So, so pretty close, but but a couple of tweaks could could make it make it more interesting. But and would you would you use the army again in this format? I think so. I think that yeah. because I designed it to be more of a flexible, um, reactive army, it can take mm. on virtually anything with some yeah. expectations. 
Well, I, I think that's right. And it, it sounds like it created some interesting games and it meant that you could be on the front foot, the back foot. You, you had options to to play that, play all those games differently, which which that army structure gave you that, that maybe a different a different structure would have been slightly more formulaic about how it had to be used. So I think that um, that's a really interesting approach. It's, it's, as, I say, as I said at the beginning, it's a very different way to the way I would think about no think about using the army myself but i think talking to you and, and seeing how this played has, has pointed out that i'm not thinking about how this army goes together I'm, I'm putting it together without thinking and and to actually take another another step forward and and just look at it as a blank piece of paper um there's there's all sorts of options so look i think um i think that's been brilliant um hopefully the recordings worked okay we've not just been having a chat for no purpose at all and um which could be terrible, but um, no, Henry. Thank you, thank you, and your um, your your Venetian stories, uh, your chicken stories, and, and your beer stories, all of which are are, are excellent. And um, hopefully, we can um, we can do this again at some point with um, with another competition and um, and another set of armies. And um, and we will we will try and get this uploaded and online within the next um, next few days. So thank you very very much for your time and um, and for your write up and, and and for contributing so much. Sure, sure. Well, I really enjoy your website, and I read everything that you put up there. Well, most of it. Uh, yeah, some some of it's rubbish, isn't it? I, I'd skip some <laughs> of it, but it's, uh, yeah. Uh, no, no, thank you very much for that. But no, I, I think it's it's good that um, well, you're you're now a part of it. Um, so thank you for that. And um, before we um, we we lapse into far too much self congratulation, uh, probably time to to cut it off because I. I probably do need to um, to to go have my dinner. Um, right, thank you very much. I will um, catch you next time. Thanks, Henry. Okay, I'll be in touch. Bye. All right, thank you. Bye bye. Well, guys, that's the end of the podcast. So thank you for listening. Thanks once again to Tucker for taking part and making it all possible. And um, I think I'm pretty pleased with that format. If um, any of you want to chat to me about an army or a competition or, or anything else wargaming related, just drop me a line at. Um, info at madaxman.com and we'll get in touch see if we can hook something up on skype and um, add you to the audio library so thank you for listening to the podcast and, and keep looking out on madaxman.com for more of this sort of rubbish but with pictures 